Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Thursday evening where we are about to embark upon a whole new study over the last 15 weeks. I had Rob Sheridan on with me, and we have been talking about apologetics. Well, we are shifting subjects. We are moving away from apologetics and into this new topic, this new subject matter that uh, we call theology of the body. Theology of the body, where we will talk about God, the meaning of love in light of our sexuality, and really the larger meaning of life in general. Now, I know some of you might already be re- reacting. You're going to talk about what? You know, our sexuality? Well, you know, what does the church have to say about sexuality? Well, a lot, really. We have a whole breadth of, of works from uh, just not St. John Paul II, but, but other saints who have reflected upon this great topic of God, uh, love, and the meaning of our sexuality in light of just not sacred tradition, but also, of course, sacred scripture. Uh, I'm excited to embark upon this new study, and I will be doing so with Ivan Mora. Ivan is a soon-to-be graduate over from Chico State. I know he has another, what, semester left? One more semester. I'm excited for you, Ivan, and uh, it's, it's great to have you with me, Ivan, on this study. Our audience may remember you because we kind of did an, an intro session, if you will, on Theology of the Body a couple months ago. Well, we are going to re-engage that a little bit uh, tonight to offer up, well, an intro for these next uh, several months on Theology of the Body. And so, Ivan, I mean, what can we say about Theology of the Body? First and foremost, um, as we talk about Theology of the Body, it would be important to get into a bit of its history. Theology of the Body is a series of teachings that were given by St. John Paul II early on in his pontificate, 129 to be specific. Uh, In a matter of a little over five years, uh, St. John Paul II treated this great topic that shows how God reveals his mystery and his love in and through the human body uh, that we now know as Theology of the Body. A few interesting points to be had here before we really get into the essence of the subject matter here, uh, Ivan, and that is, you know, John Paul II had uh, completed this work called uh, Man and Woman, He Created Them, just weeks before he was uh, elected as Pope. So I bring that up because I think it is uh, providential that just in a matter of weeks and months after uh, then Cardinal Voitia had uh, finished this great work, man and woman, he created them, uh, he was elected a Pope. Now, that work, man and woman, he created them, which is the theology of the body that we will be talking about, had its foundation in his more philosophical work entitled Love and Responsibility. So initially, he was working through this uh, philosophy of love in his work we now know as love and responsibility, 
that became the foundation for man and woman. He created them, which we now know as a theology of the body. And in many ways, theology of the body is a gift to the church providentially because we are in need of recovering who we are as created in the image and likeness of God, specific to our sexuality, and to be able to respond to that contemporary maxim of, you know, what is sex if not for pleasure? There's a response to it. And Ivan, that response is what we are going to be about over the course of, of these upcoming months. What more can we say about theology of the body? I think you mentioned a very important aspect of it when you said that it's a message about love. Um, theology of the body is a message not just about love, but it's about God, sex, and the meaning of life. It's not a message of condemnation or nonsense rules. It's a message that is bringing hope and healing to a lot of people in the world. A lot of people from different ages are being inspired to live a life of virtue, a life of true love and happiness. Theology of the body answers the deepest and most important questions in life, like who are we as male and female? Why are we here? What is our purpose in life? And how can we live our life to be truly happy? So these are some of the things that you can expect to read about when, as you read John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Mm-hmm. And it would be important to note before we go any further, Ivan, to mention that this is a study that is deeply rooted in sacred scripture. This justice isn't uh, one figure carrying on about this topic of love. No, it is something embedded in sacred scripture. In point of fact, uh, John Paul II quoted scripture over a thousand times in the work, man and woman, he created them. The one verse that was the most important verse was that verse from 1 John 4, 16. God is love. You talk about the importance of identity. You know, why was John Paul II so caught up in implying this one verse to the body? Well, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the reasons he wrote this theology of the body is because he saw the world and saw an identity crisis. He, he looked at the problems in the world like pornography or the hookup culture or mm-hmm. abortion. And he, and he realized, you know what, what we have here is not just a problem of morality. This is actually a problem of identity. We have forgotten who we are. Mm-hmm. Because if we knew, we wouldn't do the things that we do. In mm-hmm. fact, we might even not tolerate them. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the hookup culture. Um, for our listeners, I know many of our listeners are probably aware of this. Uh, one thing I'm aware of now is we see young girls uh, wearing colored wristbands and the depending on on the color that the young girl is wearing, it will tell the boy how far they are willing to go. Mm. I mean, it's a profound misunderstanding of of who we are created in the image and likeness of God, which I have in many ways is a reflection and manifestation of the absence of love that uh, these young ladies have experienced in their own lives. Uh, Certainly, John Paul II, you use the word identity. He goes there because why? I mean, this is a man who grew up at a time and in a place where there was death everywhere. I had a chance to go to Varivice, Ivan, in 1997, and it was striking uh, to see how close he was to Auschwitz, the concentration mm-hmm. camp. In fact, it has been said that uh, he could smell the, the, the soot coming from the, the ovens of the concentration camp where bodies were burned. He has that 
uh, etched into his memory. And so he's asking the deepest questions about the purpose and meaning of our very lives. You know, with his philosophical and theological background, he is asking the great questions. And he does so in such a way so as to answer the deepest longing in our heart, because this is what he saw. He saw an absence of love, and out from that absence, he was asking new questions, which led, of course, to not only love and responsibility, as we've talked about, but of course, man and women, he created them, his theology of the body. So you mentioned a little bit about how when he was back in uh, Poland, Mm-hmm. It was all this oppression, right? It was yes. Communism was spreading. He got to witness the death of many of his friends. So Poland was in need of someone to speak of the dignity of the person. Mm-hmm. It was in huge uh, need of someone to remind them of who they are. And in a similar way, our people here in the United States were constantly being bombarded by lies mm-hmm. about who we are, about what is really uh, make us happy, what is true beauty. And so I think that this is the reason why John Paul II, he, he suggests that before we start talking about what we should or should not do in our relationships or with our body, he says, hey, before we start talking about, let's talk about the why behind these teachings. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the why behind the what of the teachings of the church. Yeah. Because if we don't know who we are, how can we know how to live? That's right. And it always starts with God. And as we talk about God, we always talk about that quintessential definition that God is love. Again, that 1 John 4, 16 moment, God is love. And it is this that points us to the Trinity, right? What is the Trinity? The Trinity is the Father eternally loving the Son, and in return, the Son eternally loving the Father, and this perfect eternal exchange of love gives us the third person, the Holy Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit that is the love shared between the Father and the Son. And Ivan, we are created in the image and likeness of the Trinity. Therefore, we are, in, we are created in the image and likeness of love. We were created in love for love. And this is what he desires. The Trinity is love given, love received, and love shared. Well, I like that you made that connection between God and who we are, because if we don't know who we are, we cannot know who we are. Yeah. And by understanding that God himself is a family, God in himself is a perfect exchange of love. He's not a lonely person in the sky looking at us. He's an actual perfect exchange of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he has made us in his image and likeness. So this is where life only makes sense if we love. Mm-hmm. This is what this is the deepest longing in our heart. Yes, yes, and uh, he desires to have a personal relationship with us. He desires for us to experience this kind of perfect eternal exchange of love, and really, this is what lies at the heart of theology, the body, and it really opens us up to the importance and the need to Ivan reflect upon. Uh, the body itself in its origin and purpose. I mean, because it is only then that we can ultimately discover God's purpose for our lives and find that most authentic uh, expression of love. I mean, this is what theology of the body is about. And what do we mean by theology of the body? Uh, Theology of the body is kind of like a strange combination of words. So you often hear the beauty of the body, 
the sexy body, strength of the body. Yes. But you don't often hear theology of the body. So that's like a little odd. So why would he choose that? Well, what do we mean by theology? Let's just go to the basics. Mm -hmm. Theology is the study of God. Yeah. Biology is the study of life. Psychology is the study of the mind. Theology is the study of God. Yes. So when we say that our body is theological, what we're saying is that somehow we can learn something about God through our bodies. Mm -hmm. God who himself is invisible can be understood or can, we can learn something about him through our very bodies as male and female. For instance, guilt and shame or embarrassment can become visible to us through the blushing of a person's face. Sure. Or sadness or grief can become visible to us through tears. In a similar way, there's something about God that can become visible to us through our very bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's what we mean when we say that our body is theological. Our body tells us something about who God is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that wonderful line from John Paul II's Theology of the Body when he said, In the Incarnation, when God becomes man, when the divine becomes flesh, the body enters theology. I love that. When God becomes man, the body enters theology. And it really crystallizes the essence of, of what you were just talking about, that there is a unity between what we see and do not see. There is a unity between the body and soul, uh, spirit and matter. So often today, uh, Ivan, when we talk about anthropology, we just reduce it to a historical study of the Cro-Magnon man or Neanderthal, and we kind of survey in history the development of, of man in his nature, and yet we really don't get behind the true question of anthropology, which is the unity of body and soul. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is uh, so important, and this is what theology of the body is all about. The image of uh, the red cheek from blushing or the tear uh, from sadness, there is something invisible yet made visible. And of course, this is what we call the sacramentality of the body. I think, I mean, we might be served to offer up a definition of what a sacrament is. So there could be not only a clarification, but a deeper understanding of how we might better understand that phrase, sacramentality of the body. So what do we mean by what is a sacrament? When we talk about a sacrament, it is uh, the way in which we intimately encounter God through the action of the Holy Spirit upon visible signs drawn from the material world, whether it be through the bathing of the body, Ivan, in the waters of baptism, mm -hmm. or in and through uh, the anointing of the body with oil in, in baptism and confirmation and holy orders and anointing of the sick, um, or in and through the eating and drinking of the very uh, flesh and blood of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, or maybe in and through the laying on of hands uh, in holy orders and anointing of the sick. Or how about a, the sacrament of confession, uh, where we put uh, on our lips the sins that, that, are, that are being confessed. And of course, the unbreakable bond of one flesh in the sacrament of marriage. Ultimately, what we are made to see is that in the sacramental life, uh, matter and spirit kiss, earth and heaven meet. And this is, this is the way our Lord himself inscribed it into history, right? I mean, why in John chapter 9, verse 6, does our Lord spit and make clay so as to heal the blind man? I mean, you think about that, Ivan. I mean, he didn't need to do that. 
he could have just said, be healed, see, and well, he could be healed and see, right? Mm -hmm. But he chooses, he chooses to unite matter and spirit, human and divine. So in scripture, then our Lord teaches us, shows us that matter is relevant to seeing. The water is relevant to the new vision in Christ. And there's a writer, his name is Peter Kraft. He's one of the greatest philosophers right now. He, in his book, Jesus Shock, he describes the sacraments in such a beautiful way. Yes. He says, um, a sacrament is like a stairs. It's like some stairs that God gives us. And it's important to mention that uh, the Protestant Church has sacraments too. For instance, mm -hmm. some have marriage, baptism. Of course. But there's a slightly different in how the Catholic Church sees the sacraments. For the Catholic Church, the sacraments is like a stairs in which God himself comes down and meets us right here where we're at. Mm -hmm. And for the Protestant Church, it will be like stairs that we can climb to get closer to God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But for us, when we talk about confession, for instance, we believe that it's God himself coming down from heaven, meeting us right here on earth, and giving us his forgiveness through a priest. Yeah. And in a similar way, we believe that the sacrament of our sexual union is also making visible something. God is coming down and doing something and telling us something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a powerful image when you start thinking about it, Ivan. God's very life and love descending into that very uh, act of a consummation. You know, where two become one and ultimately three uh, with a new life. We image uh, God most profoundly leaving literally footprints to the Trinity. Because remember, uh, the Trinity is uh, three in one. And, and when two become one and, and uh, give life to a third, you have a three in, in one act. <laughs> it, it's, it's just um, an incredible way to uh, leave footprints to the Trinity. So we, I think by now we, we have already mentioned that our bodies are called to love. But in Ephesians 5.31, Paul takes it a step forward and says that this sexual union, this union between a man and a woman, actually reveals to us a great mystery in relation to Christ and his church. And I just, uh, I just think that is so beautiful that sex will literally be heavenly. It mm -hmm. is not just great. Pizza is great. Mm -hmm. Like sex mm -hmm. is literally heavenly. Yeah. And not just because it feels good or because we can make babies out of it, but because this sexual union actually points us to God. Yeah. It's an incredible thing to think about this power that God has endowed us with. You know, we talked earlier about the Trinity, two becoming one, and in that communion of persons, there's life. Well, this is what we've been entrusted with. When our Lord says, be fruitful and multiply, what he's saying is, become one flesh. And in doing so, you will share in my creative power. In doing so, you will share in my very life-giving love. And in that way, really, what we're talking about, Ivan, is the way in which the family, married love, is like an icon or an earthly image of the Holy Trinity. Again, this is the aforementioned two becoming one, leaving footprints to the Trinity. This is an incredible power that we've been given. And you said it, it's just not about what feels good or feels right. It's really about going deeper. 
Even and, though that is good too, right? Yes, uh, of course. You know, uh, this is what J John Paul II calls the raw material for love, right? We are attracted to one another physically in that more raw material. I mean, mm -hmm. we need that to be drawn to one another. But it just doesn't stop there. Because when you talk about the marriage between Christ and his church, when you talk about the spousal love between God and man, that very rich image and analogy that we have all throughout the sacred text. In fact, Ivan, there are lots of analogies given in the Old and New Testament, but no one analogy is given more than that spousal analogy, that uh, bride and groom analogy. It is rich. And so when you talk about this, what lies at the heart of it? Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if love was to be reduced to just that consummative act, it would never realize uh, the fullness of the Christian vision of love. Remember what uh, St. John Paul II said, when God becomes man, the body enters theology and gives us the full vision of man, mm -hmm. that we are not, the, the full potential of man is not realized in how we advance technologically. It is realized to, to the degree that we will the good of the other. This is the essence of love. And we were created for love, and so this is what must be at the heart of it, and therefore what is at the heart of it is sacrifice. Because our Lord, in His being obedient unto death, death on a cross, as we read in Philippians 2, verses 6 to 11, in the great Christological hymn, what He teaches us ultimately and reveals to us, that deepest revelation of the inner life of the Trinity is sacrifice. We have a profound insight, Ivan, into the inner life of the Trinity when our Lord accepts death, death on a cross. And it is then, Christ there on the cross, that he marries the church. Now, what kind of language is that? Well, when you think about it critically, what comes from the side of Christ but blood and water? Water signifies baptism and blood signifies the Eucharist. These sacraments are the sacraments in which we are incorporated into the very life of Christ. We marry Christ when we receive these sacraments. This is the insight that can be gained when you begin to study theology of the body in light of Christ. Let us go back into Genesis. What came from the side of Adam? Eve. Yes, Eve. From his rib. Yes, from his rib, right? So we can begin to appreciate here already the dynamism that exists, the forcefulness that exists in a teaching of the theology of the body when we start reflecting into uh, just not creation as we already have, but also how what takes place in creation points to Jesus Christ and what he came to establish and moreover teach us and what married love looks like. And it looks like sacrifice, the highest expression of love. You know, and interesting that you mentioned uh, the story of creation and Adam and Eve, because we need to remember that in the beginning, Jesus Christ uses those same words, in the beginning, mm -hmm. it was not so. In yeah. the beginning, we were able to love each other with Christ-like love. You mentioned sacrificial love. In the beginning, when Adam was put to sleep and Eve was made out of Adam, the moment that he woke up, he was like, whoa, man, that's where the word woman came yeah. from. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. That's not where it comes from. <laughs> but he saw, this, he saw this unmistakable plan. He's like, wow, this is bone, my bone, flesh, my flesh. He felt this need, this desire to give himself to her and her back. Mm -hmm. But So in here, we can see that this, this desire that we have as human beings for love, for intimacy, for touch, 
is good. It is very good. It was part of God's plan. The problem is that the enemy took something that is very good and he twisted it. Mm-hmm. The enemy can't create anything new. He just takes something that is good and he twists it so that we no longer, when we see each other, we no longer want to make a gift of ourselves, such as Adam wanted to make a gift of himself to Eve, but we want to actually take our own self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. And this is what we know as the counterfeit of love, lust. Mm-hmm. But here's the good news. Because of Christ, Christ came here to redeem us, that we no longer be in darkness, but be able to see, to see what? Who we are, who mm-hmm. God created us to be. It's interesting that you bring up uh, evil there, uh, because I was having the same train of, th- of thought as you, Ivan, and I was going to some of my notes here. You know, if you were to think about this critically, if the body and sex are meant to proclaim our union with God, mm-hmm. and if there is an enemy who wants to separate us from God, what do you think he's going to attack? Or he's going to attack us. Yeah. If we want to know what is most sacred in the world, all we need to do is to go to what is most violently profaned. You know, incidentally, Ivan, you know, the word profanity comes from the Latin profanum, which literally translates outside the temple. Right? We can put this within the context of our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit. It is profanity when we abuse uh, the temples of the Holy Spirit, the body. Uh, Satan certainly uh, knows what he's doing here. We must remember what Satan is about. He is the father of all lies. What does the word uh, Satan mean? I mean? It means to confuse. Uh, there's actually like a physical image of throwing like a rock in the middle of the, the road to sidetrack, right? This mm-hmm. is Satan's function. He has no truth in of himself. All that he can do is plagiarize truth. All that he can do is hijack truth and present it to be something that it is not. All of the sexual sin, Ivan, that we see in today's world is simply man looking for God, but in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. You know, we are wired for God in his truth. We are created in his image and likeness. And created in his image and likeness, we were wired for God. We just need to rewire ourselves to God. You know, earlier, Ivan, I was talking about that contemporary maxim of, you know, what is sex if not for pleasure? You know, I mean, sex is good in its sacramental embrace, right? This is what the, the Christian faith has always said. But it's just not about what is pleasurable. As we've already talked about, it's also what draws us into the infinite mystery of God. And Satan wants us to take God out of the bedroom. Satan wants us to remove the beauty of two becoming one and make it to be something that it is not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I will have to agree with you. And you were mentioning this uh, sort of like, there is like an obsession in this world for, for sex, right? Yeah. Even though sex is, is, is good, as we spoke about, this union is called to become one. It seems like the world is saturated with sex, but it still remains starving for love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for true love. And, uh, and it's important to remember that this yearning that we have, this deep longing in our heart, God put it there for a reason. He's mm-hmm. actually pointing us to Him. He's telling us, hey, you're not home yet. Mm-hmm. You were made for perfect, total communion with God. Mm-hmm. And your mm-hmm. heart will not be satisfied until you have come back to your Creator. Yeah, that's right. And in the words of St. Augustine, God, you have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. 
Well said, Ivan. I think that'll pretty much wrap up our program tonight. I just want to, before we close in prayer, encourage our listening audience to pick up uh, the book, Theology of the Body Explained, a book that would certainly, I think, Ivan, help our listening audience to engage and to really uh, journey with us over these upcoming months to better understand Theology of the Body and how in our body we can better understand uh, the divine mystery within us, both in our relationship with Jesus Christ and certainly in married love. Uh, So let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.